0: It's really not the flying. It's what the airplane does to touch people's lives. And so to watch a young person go the same path we did, learn some of the same lessons, that's what's exciting.
1: This is First Person. Welcome to this week's conversation. I'm Wayne Shepard. Today, I'll be talking with Gene Jordan, a longtime missionary pilot with Mission Aviation Fellowship. Gene will talk about the ministry of MAF and his career as a pilot and more. You can learn more about our guests each week through our online presence. We have both a website and a Facebook page for First Person. We'd welcome you to visit either or both. The website is firstpersoninterview.com, where you can stream any past interview and see the upcoming schedule. And on Facebook, you can read the comments of other listeners and leave your own. Go to facebook.com slash Interview. And our smartphone app is now available to you as well for both iPhone and Android devices. Look for first-person interview in your app store for an easy way to listen each week. Well, we've told the overall story of Mission Aviation Fellowship in the past here on this program, but today Gene Jordan joins me to talk more about MAF, particularly through his experience as a pilot on the field in Ecuador. I began by asking Gene when it was that he knew he wanted to be a pilot.
0: Well, Wayne, to to answer that question, I really need to go way back in that my parents were missionaries in Ecuador. I grew up uh, around uh, the radio station compound, of radio HCJB, and it was kind of a center to uh, many missions in the country. And HCJB had facilitated MAF's entry to the country Uh, through uh, providing some uh, legal counsel and legal help for the government of Ecuador. And so I I have always known about MAF. I do not remember a time when I did not know about MAF, but it was really during my high school days. I would hop on the bus and leave the capital city of Quito and, and ride down to Shell, and um, I would sweep the hangar, I would wash the airplanes, I would load up the loads, I would tie down the loads, fuel the airplanes, always hoping for a seat to catch a ride. <laughs> and so it, it was the pilots who were down there in the late 60s that really challenged me that um, if you're interested in aviation and want to make a difference in building the church, MAF is a good way to go. So it was during high school days that I thought, you know, I could do this, I will move forward and see how God God directs, and he did.
1: Yeah, and just to make sure everyone everyone understands, this would have been in the days immediately after the uh, martyrdom of those men there on the beach, uh, those, those pilots who gave their lives for the cause.
0: Well, it would have been... 10 to 12 years later. The, the guys on the beach were killed in January of 1956, and my high school years were 67, 68, 69 um, in there. So it would have been 10 to 12 years later, but not that far removed. Right.
1: A lot of, a lot of people would have been there who would have uh, gone through that time period. So, so you were the kid hanging around the hangar, huh? So how did you actually learn how to fly?
0: Well, I went through Moody Bible Institute's flight program. It was, at that point, a a five-year process, two years of Bible school in Chicago. So I left Quito, Ecuador, went right to Chicago and uh, started into Bible school, and then there were two years of flight training. The first year basically was maintenance, although we did do some flying, and then the last year was specialized flying. And then the fifth year was uh, getting college credits from somewhere else to wrap up a degree. As, as God would have it, I went through the two years of Bible school, and as I started flight school, I was challenged by the director of the school to do my degree work first and then come to maintenance and flight school. It would give me another year under my belt. And although I was disappointed at the time, it was during that year that I met Lynn, who has been my wife for the past 40 years. (laughs) Yep,
1: God had a plan, didn't he?
0: (laughs) He did. Yeah.
1: So were you always intent on going back and working with MAF?
0: You know, that's interesting because as I grew up in Ecuador, Wycliffe Bible translators and the JARS, Jungle Aviation and Radio Services arm of Wycliffe, also flew in Ecuador. They were in the North Jungle. I was in the South Jungle, or MAF was in the South Jungle. And my Sunday school teachers as a senior in junior and senior in high school, were some of the crew of the uh, Wycliffe DC three, and we could we could earn rides on the three by memorizing scripture. <laughs> so I was I was well exposed to, to uh, Wycliffe and their Bible translation emphasis. I I, I like the idea that MAF serves a great variety of different people. JARS is focused on Wycliffe and Bible translation, which is great. I like the wideness of MAF, and so that's where I went. Okay.
1: So when did you actually start uh, with MAF, and what, were, what kind of assignments did you have, Gene?
0: Well, following flight school, I worked uh, in Florida for a year and a half in maintenance And in flight instruction, a school atmosphere is great for training. Working out in the real world is great for production, to learn how to get things done. Mm -hmm. But following 18 months in Florida, which is where my wife was from, we joined MAF in the summer of 1977, raised our support to go overseas, and then were in Ecuador in August of 1978. So MAF assigned me back to the country that I grew up in, and they told me, we're taking a little bit of a chance doing this, but they did it anyway.
1: Okay. Were your parents still around at that time?
0: And that's why they said it was going to be a chance, because my parents were still in Ecuador. They were still up in the capital city of Quito, and then I was uh, about eight hours away at that time on the edge of the jungle. And they didn't see there would be too much of a conflict, yeah. and there wasn't.
1: I'm guessing it worked out okay.
0: Well, it worked out okay because we were in Ecuador for 22 years. <laughs>
1: yeah, okay. All right, so what was it like being a pilot during those years? Tell me some of those stories.
0: Well, you know, I, I loved the flying. I, I really did. But you learn very quickly that MAF is not just about flying. yes. We have to do it well, we have to do it professionally, we're operating into short airstrips. We were getting between 24 and 28 feet of rain a year in that wow. Amazon area, and so the airstrips, for the most part, were wet and muddy and slippery, and we, we fought and flew in and around a lot of weather, and that was probably our best biggest ongoing challenge, Mm -hmm. but I I really enjoyed using the airplane to meet people's needs. The number one reason we've launched an emergency flight in Ecuador was snake bite. There are many poisonous snakes in the Amazon jungle, and if we could get somebody out to attention, we could save their life or their limb or whatever it could be, women problems in childbirth, a lot of medical emergency flights. But we partnered very, very closely, again, with HCJB and the medical side because they ran a small hospital that was only, uh, you know, a few yards down from the MAF hangar. So to bring a patient in where their physical needs were cared for and as they were recuperating, their spiritual needs were challenged, I, I just, we really enjoyed that.
1: Oh, oh, boy, it sounds so exciting, and I know the Lord used you greatly, Gene. Okay, any, uh, any close calls? You had to have some during all those years of
0: flying. Well, most, as I think back, most of the uh, flights where you kind of just wonder what's going on were probably weather-related. Mm-hmm. I did have a cylinder that blew out a big chunk of it as I was heading up, to the capital city with a patient on board oh. i determined that i could not hold altitude for the rest of the flight but i also determined that i had plenty of altitude to make it to the quito airport and i did but but you know god was good we, we know our limits and try mm-hmm. to stay within them i'm not the best pilot in the world but i knew how far I could go, and I respected that circle.
1: Yeah. And for the enthusiasts, what were you flying during those days, all those years there?
0: Well, most of my early years were either a Cessna 180 or 185, which are basically the same airplane. The 185 has a uh, fiberglass cargo pod under the belly where we put 300 pounds in. And then in the later years, we traded all our 185s for Cessna 206s, still a 6 passenger airplane. Well, a six-place airplane, one place reserved for the pilot, and it could go into all of the airstrips the 185 did. It was much easier to load and much more comfortable for the passengers.
1: We're going to talk more about what's happened more recently in your life, Gene, but looking back on those years in Ecuador, what's, what's the best
0: part of all of that for you? You know, Wayne, that is a very easy question to answer and i can only answer it with a perspective of looking back and that is there are villages in the jungle that they had worship they worshiped the spirit of the rainforest they worshiped the boa constrictor they they were scared frightened of the spirit world and as they learned that there was a god who created them that there was a god who loved them and cared for them and they knew they had done wrong, and when they understood that God had made a way through his son Jesus to restore a relationship, now there was true worship. And so as I look back, the, the, the greatest thing of being there through all the flights, each one contributing just a little bit, was to be able to say that now throughout the jungle there are places where there is true worship of a God that loves them, cares for them, and paid the price of their sins. And you can see it in the community. It reflects in their faces, in their pride of the community. There are communities that have rejected that news. And you can see in their communities that that there's just not a spark of life when you know that there's a God who loves you.
1: We'll continue talking with Gene Jordan and offer you an audiobook download, Jungle Pilot, coming up on First Person. Our partner in bringing you these conversations each week is the Far East Broadcasting Company. For 70 years, FEBC has been faithfully proclaiming the gospel in local languages to scores of countries throughout Asia and beyond. Last year, over 2 million listeners responded to FEBC programs, an incredible number to comprehend. So to learn more about this effective means of reaching people for Christ and how you can help, just visit firstpersoninterview.com and click on the FEBC banner. My guest today is Gene Jordan of Mission Aviation Fellowship. Gene is a longtime pilot and now works in headquarters in, uh, in Idaho. And Gene, tell me about your life today. What are, what are your responsibilities with MAF today?
0: Well, my responsibilities are with MAF's personnel, both here in the U.S. at the headquarters office and for all of our overseas programs. And, you know, we have some great people scattered around the world in some Fairly difficult remote areas using airplanes to get to those isolated people to share the message of Jesus Christ. But I can tell you, Wayne, I've learned something. Airplanes are relatively easy, people are pretty complicated. <laughs>
1: So you're still learning at your age, huh?
0: Absolutely.
1: <laughs> That's great. Gene, uh, you were so gracious about a year ago. You and others hosted me there at the headquarters in Idaho for MAF, and it was a, an eye-opening experience. And I'll never forget the opportunity to sit down with you and so many others there. But it was uh, something that happened to you recently that really caught my attention. You went back to Ecuador. How long had, uh, had it been since you'd been in Ecuador?
0: Well, it had been about 14 months since I was there previously, and just a couple weeks ago I went back for a very special occasion to me.
1: All right. Tell us about that trip.
0: When Nate Saint, the first MAF pilot, went to Ecuador, he was flying a Stinson airplane, a four-place airplane, welded tubing together, covered... With fabric, (laughs) what we call a rag wing airplane, fairly simple airplane. Well, I went down because of God's goodness and uh, a donation of a gentleman from Canada and others. Ecuador is now putting into operation a brand new airplane, a turbine powered airplane with performance that equals our 185s and 206s of uh, latter years. And it it carries almost three times the load of a Cessna 206, but does it into the same airstrips that the 206 flies into. So the performance is fabulous. The navigation and communication is fabulous. There are basically three glass screens up front, and weather and terrain and your position, it's all right there. It, it's, it's something that Nate could never <laughs> even have imagined. Yeah. And while the airplane has changed, the, what they're doing has not changed. Well, let me talk about the airplane
1: days. for just a moment. Did, did you get to fly that baby?
0: I did not get to fly that airplane. I have flown in it, and I have flown in other Kodiaks, but I did not get to fly that airplane.
1: All right. Now, and you say Kodiak? That that's a plane that was really developed for MAF, right?
0: It was developed for missionary aviation, not just MAF. Okay. Jars, new tribes use them, but it was developed to meet the need of being able to use jet fuel, which is fairly cheap, in countries where it's, it's becoming impossible to get aviation 130-octane fuel.
1: Yeah. So you went down to help deliver this plane, and what difference is that going to make? Then I have a lot of other questions for you, Gene.
0: Well, the difference is it will extend the range of what the program can do in the country, it can fly longer and faster with a bigger load. So we're not as limited to the services we can provide, be they ambulance services or church and mission flights. So mm-hmm. it will increase our productivity because one flight is going to do the equivalent of three Cessna 206 flights. Wow.
1: Well, I know it's going to make a big difference when you went down to uh, be a part of delivering that new aircraft there, though, you were reconnecting with people that you'd spent a lifetime with. T- talk to me about the people you met there.
0: Well, we had a service where we dedicated this airplane. We had to do some rebuilding on the hangar to get the new airplane to fit in, and we were dedicating the hangar. And I spoke briefly as I stood up and looked out in the audience. I, I was just as proud as can be because the 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 young man that's managing the program in Ecuador now was a little kid yeah. in my wife Lynn's Bible Club. Is that David? That's David?
1: Yeah, I met him when I was there with you last year.
0: I looked out to that crowd, and many of the guys that are flying, Ecuadorians, maintaining the airplanes, uh, scheduling our flights, they they were all little kids in Sunday school. <laughs> and so they've grown up, and they have become Ecuadorian missionaries to their own people. Hmm. And, and, and that is what is very, very gratifying to see.
1: Yeah, I bet there are a lot of hugs and... Uh... A lot of stories were told, A bit.
0: There were a lot of hugs. And, and one thing that made a huge impression on me, when Nate, Jim, Roger, Ed, and Pete were killed in Ecuador, when Elizabeth and Rachel went in and started sharing the reason why these guys went, and the Waorani understood a God who loved them, their children lived in unprecedented peace. The grandkids of those of that generation in 1956 again grew up in unprecedented peace, and they are the young adults of today. And there was a problem amongst the community, and one of these grandkids, whose grandfather participated in the killing in 1956, He said to me, he said, Gene, your people brought us the truth of God, but it is now my responsibility to go out and tell my brothers and sisters, the kids that are my age, the young adults, don't go back to your old ways of killing. The Bible teaches us the right way to live our lives. It's not your responsibility anymore. It's mine. But will you help us with your airplanes? And the answer was absolutely <laughs> yes. Yeah, how can you yes. say
1: no to that, huh? <laughs> oh, we can't. Yeah. What a rich experience, though, to, to go back and to, uh, to hear those words and to see what God has done there. You've seen a lot of progress, a lot of change in aviation, a lot of change in, in ministry there, Gene. What, what's ahead? What And how can we pray for what's going on in that country?
0: Well there are two things happening within MAF. Number one, we recognize that the after World War 2 through the 50s, 60s and 70s of expatriate missionaries whether they're from Europe, from Canada, from the US going overseas and kind of doing their thing, that that's kind of over. Right now we need to go and we need to partner with the National Church. We need to let them take the lead in their countries, and then we come alongside, and this is what MAF does very, very well, and says, how can we help you do what you feel you need to do in this country, particularly reaching the isolated areas. will come help you do that. Hmm. So it's much more partnership with the National Church than it is MAF working with North American European mission societies.
1: Gene, you must be grateful to God. You've got a lot of years left in ministry, but you must be grateful for how God has led and used you during these years.
0: Well, I am, and, and that's kind of a, a, a twofold look, Wayne. As I look at, at my life, Uh, at uh, the wife (laughs) God gave to me at our daughters who grew up on the MAF base in Ecuador. And uh, one works with Voice of the Martyrs. The other is teaching at a missionary kid's school Hmm. back in Ecuador. It's great to see. But you know what I'm really enjoying? I am really enjoying right now getting to know the young couples that are coming to MAF right now and being able to take some of my hard learned lessons to pour it into them, watch them go overseas, watch them be excited about flying and learning that it's really not the flying. It's what the airplane does to touch people's lives. And so to to watch a young person go the same path we did, learn some of the same lessons, and be excited, and be able to do that with you know, twenty and thirty young people over the last couple of years. It that's what's exciting.
1: Our first-person guest today has been Gene Jordan of Mission Aviation Fellowship. A great way to learn more about MAF is to download a free copy of the audiobook Jungle Pilot, which I narrated last year. The book can be downloaded for free, and the easiest way to get it is by following the link I've provided at FirstPersonInterview.com. My thanks to MAF for making Jungle Pilot available this way. Again, to download a free copy of the story of martyred missionary pilot Nate Saint and the founding of Mission Aviation Fellowship, go to FirstPersonInterview.com and follow the link that you'll find there. These weekly interviews are made possible through the support of the Far East Broadcasting Company. My thanks to FEBC for including us in their vision of taking Christ to the world through radio. And if you'd like to learn more, please visit FirstPersonInterview.com and follow the link to FEBC. Once again, that's FirstPersonInterview.com. Next week, our guest will be a pastor, evangelist, and church planter from Sierra Leone. Now with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard, Join us next time for First Person.